My name is J.W. Oker. I'm an author, and I like to go out and look for weird stuff. I call it oddity. For more than a decade, I've sought out oddities of nature, oddities of art, oddities of culture and history. I believe that within a tank or two of gas, of any point in this country, is some seriously cool oddity, and that we all should go check it out. This is Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast. The burning ghost town of Centralia, Pennsylvania is definitely in the upper echelon of American oddities. I mean, it's a ghost town on fire. This oddity is the one that really taught me that there are amazing, unbelievable sights just at the far end of your headlights. You just have to go see them, get in your car and go. Anybody can see them anytime. And I've been to Centralia twice. If you think of the shape of Pennsylvania as a giant rectangular chocolate bar, with a bite for an eastern border, which is exactly how I think of the shape of Pennsylvania, and I assume the nearby Hershey's Candy Company does as well, then the ghost town of Centralia is located 80 miles directly west of that bite mark. It was established in the mid-1800s, and like many towns in the region, started out as a mining town. Anthracite coal was what it was built on then, and anthracite coal is what it burns on now. In 1962, a simple trash fire at the local dump ignited a bit of exposed coal that happened to be the tip of the Kohlberg. It ignited a coal mass that stretched for miles beneath the town and the surrounding areas. The fire spread slowly and stealthily over the next couple of decades until it became obvious that something was wrong. Really wrong. Very wrong. Hell had added a few more stories to its roof, and Centralia was in the way. After various attempts to put it out that failed... The government invoked eminent domain and evacuated and razed the town. They just let it go because you can't live on top of fire, man. A few recalcitrants wouldn't move, opting instead to brave the danger zone and invent the usual conspiracy theories about the government wanting that land for other reasons besides saving the lives of the populace from this fire burning just below their basements. Scientists estimate that the massive underground conflagration will run out of fuel in maybe two more centuries or so. That's how much coal is underneath Centralia. But nobody really knows for sure. What we do know is that it's been burning for more than 50 years, and it will continue to burn. Since that time, Centralia has gotten a reputation as a toxic horror land full of winking sinkholes and carcinogenic clouds of death vapor. Very, very odd. I learned about this oddity. I learned about Centralia through movies, which is how I learn about everything in life. Two movies in particular use this idea of a burning ghost town as a framework to hang their stories on. That'd be Nothing But Trouble in 1991 with Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase and, for some reason, Digital Underground. Very weird movie. Very worth watching, though. And Silent Hill, the horror movie based on a video game. In other words, this should be something that was made up, something fictionalized, something in movies and books. It shouldn't be a real site right there in Pennsylvania that anybody can drive to. So as a result of those movies and digging in and learning that Centralia was a real place and that it wasn't too far away from me. I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time, so not too far away from Pennsylvania at all. So a foray to Centralia had been percolating in the coffee maker of my mind for a while. 
I imagine Centralia to be a place awash in fogs of thick, deadly vapors, porcupine with warning signs, and completely inhospitable to visitors. I envision mutated animals, barbed wire, and EPA agents in bright yellow hazmat suits. To get there, I planned on cobbling a map together from various arcane and semi-trustworthy internet sites, painting my face in camouflage and donning one of those paper filter masks that were all the rage in China, dictating my last will and testament, and then violating softly enforced trespassing laws. This was going to be a major oddity for me. And, as happens often enough for me to question everything about my existence, I was wrong about Centralia. See, there's nothing esoteric about finding Centralia. It's right off Route 61 in Pennsylvania. In fact, it's on Google Maps. You can just drop a pen there and drive right to this burning ghost town. The first time I went to Centralia was 2007. I was driving on Route 61 when I saw on the left side of the road a large mound of dirt and a warning sign. This blocked off the old bit of Route 61 that had been ruined by the burning coal underneath it. The warning sign warned of most of those really terrifying things that I originally thought were going to be part of Centralia, but it functioned more as a photo op than any other kind of deterrent. So I took a photo of me standing underneath this sign, feeling all the while like a crow using a scarecrow as a perch. I parked, clambered over the dirt, and walked about half a mile over undulating asphalt. It was vertiginous. I felt kind of like the road was going to give in because it was bent and warped and twisted and covered in graffiti, which eventually told me that I wasn't going to fall through the pavement into a Hieronymus Bosch painting. Eventually, I arrived at a giant fissure in the road with smoke wafting up from it as if it did go straight to hell. But what kind of tempered that terrifying scene was that there were just people hanging out around this crack, taking pictures, mostly of this one teddy bear that was slowly roasting away in this road fissure. Not to say that the crack wasn't impressive. It was. It looked like something out of an apocalyptic movie. I mean, it wasn't deep enough to make you think that you were going to fall in and become prey to Morlocks. But seeing an asphalt road completely ripped and contorted is enough to make you at least nod your head in a satisfying way. And then adding on top of that the smoke that was drifting out of it from that still burning coal fire beneath it, and you really got yourself something worth seeing. Eventually, I got tired of ogling the crevice. I wanted to see not the road that led to Centralia, but Centralia itself. So I could have walked on that ruined road all the way to Centralia, but it was a lot easier for me to double back, jump in my car, and just drive there on the new Route 61. On the way out, I passed two teenage girls who asked me how far to the fissure, like someone would ask for the nearest gas station. So again, it was this strange mixture of surreal and dangerous seeming, but completely touristy. You've probably already guessed by the tone of this story that the town itself wasn't foreboding or terrifying really at all. Maybe it was the weather on the day I visited, it was about as sunny as Sesame Street, so there wasn't any kind of foreboding presence. There was no fogs like in Silent Hill. There was nothing really creepy about the environs other than the fact that I knew there was a fire burning beneath my feet. When I went, there were about 10 people hanging out at various spots throughout Centralia. I even had a convoy of four-wheelers pass me noisily through the town as I stood in the middle of it. And it was basically a field. I was standing in the middle of a field. At the time that I visited, 2007, Centralia consisted almost totally of a small grid of overgrown streets. There was a single row house without the rest of the row that was buttressed by multiple chimneys to keep it standing upright. But other than that, it was basically a field. 
At one end, there were a pair of graveyards, the SS Peter and Paul Orthodox Cemetery and St. Ignatius Cemetery, each complete with, I assume, charboiled corpses. On the other side of Route 61 is a third graveyard, the Oddfellows Graveyard. It's, it's near that graveyard where the landfill was that started this whole mess. There's also a couple of park benches that had been recently painted, a humble-looking veterans memorial that was basically a bell on top of some cement blocks. And then there was a marble slab covering a time capsule slated for opening in 2016. I'll come back to that. So I got there, walked around a bit, sat on a park bench, looked at the few things there were to look at, took a few pictures, and then hopped back in the car and drove down a few dead-end streets just for kicks. That's pretty much all you can do at Centralia. I should have brought a picnic lunch and just made a moment out of it. But there are no abandoned buildings to explore, no other remnants of a town. It's basically all gone by 2007. The coolest part about it, though, was there was smoke rising from the ground. Little wisps here and there, like ghosts, had come up through holes in the ground. Eventually I left. I didn't spend a whole lot of time there. There wasn't a lot to do. Just come see it, say you've been to Centralia, and take off. So I left somewhat empowered by visiting the site. Here was this exotic site that I had heard about here and there on the internet and through movies, and I had driven right to it and experienced it. But on the other hand, I also left vaguely unsatisfied with the experience. And maybe that's why, five and a half years later, I returned. In those five and a half years, my life changed in every way possible. I moved to New England from the Mid-Atlantic, I got married, I had a baby, I got cancer, which I don't think had anything to do with walking through the smokes of Centralia. I just got cancer and spent a year in chemo. I published two books, quit four different jobs. A lot happened to me since that first afternoon in Centralia. Meanwhile, Centralia just kept burning. That's what it's done for 50 years. That's what it'll do for centuries longer. But I went and visited, so the year's 2012 now, just to make sure. And this time, I made it a family trip. I brought my wife and my three-year-old daughter. So on that previous visit, like I said, the weather was extremely sunny. But on the morning of this trip, it was foggy. Silent Hill foggy. This was perfect. Except that somewhere about a mile outside of Centralia, that fog lifted. Or we entered into a clear pocket of it. Or more likely we passed into a totally different dimension. One where something as strange as Centralia can happen. The sky was ash gray and the December cold was untempered by the inferno below. Centralia was still a grid of overgrown streets. Nothing had much changed as far as that went, other than the streets disappearing even further into the field that Centralia had become. The row house with the chimney buttresses was gone. That had disappeared, been taken down. But there were still one or two houses left in the general vicinity of Centralia from people who, I guess, really liked their basements warm and had just not moved away from this strange, weird place that they called home. But walking around, I did get kind of confused and discombobulated because I couldn't find that park area with the benches and the bell and the time capsule. Eventually, though, I did find it. The bell was gone. All that was left was a couple stone blocks. The park benches were gone. The only thing left was that time capsule. The time capsule would be open in 2014, so almost two years after my second visit, and two years before it was supposed to be open in 2016 at the 50th anniversary of the burying of the time capsule. Inside, they found that most of the items were damaged, but not by the fire that was roaring around it in the ground, but by water that had seeped down from rain through the topsoil, which is honestly the fate of a lot of time capsules. Some of the items were salvageable, 
But there was nothing really too grandiose about what they found 50 years later. There were some clothing items, some newspapers, a bottle of gin, just everyday items that the people of Centralia put in this time capsule, not realizing that within 50 years, their town would be a ghost town on fire. There was something new in Centralia that wasn't there on my previous visit. A pair of homemade signs were set up that excoriated the state governor for faking the fire to get rid of the town and gain access to all that lucrative coal underneath. I don't know if the A-Team ever had an episode like that, but it's exactly the kind of injustice that got B.A. Baracus so angry. After reading the signs, me and my wife and my child walked around the black mounds of ash and dirt and scrub brush. We watched smoke waft up in small plumes like ghosts that blended into the slate sky. Due to the weather conditions, the smoke was more tenuous on this visit, and sometimes we had to really focus to see it, but it was there, no doubt. The smoke of Centralia is always there, the forever incense of a town sorry for its sins. So this time I did Centralia backwards. The first time we visited, we started at the road and ended up at the town. This time we started at the town and ended up at the road. So next was to return back to that abandoned section of Route 61. It took me a while to find the entrance to the abandoned stretch of road. That large pile of dirt was gone. Even the warning sign was gone. But eventually, we did find it. So we parked, and the three of us got out and walked the less than half a mile across perversely graffitied asphalt. When my daughter asked, I had to tell her that the cylindrical shapes she kept seeing painted joyfully on the blacktop were caterpillars. That was the best I could do in the moment. But other than that, the road hadn't changed. It was still this undulating mass of asphalt falling and breaking here and there as if an earthquake had snapped it like a whip. However, before we made it to the fissure, we heard the terrifying sound of motors behind us. Keep in mind, we are on an abandoned road. I have a child and a wife to protect. So we jumped to the shoulder, and a group of about a dozen dirt bikers flew by us like they were in some kind of post-apocalyptic movie. In my imagination, fired as it was by ghost towns and fire, they played the part of the roving band of outlaws on this disaster-torn earth and we were the innocent family who gets destroyed at the beginning just to show how horrible the villains are. That's exactly what I was thinking. But they didn't pay us any mind. They just sped past us in the direction of the fissure, using the wavy sections of asphalt as ramps to jump in the air and making black streaks across the bright graffiti. When we finally got to the fissure, the bikers were all just hanging out, sweaty and with their helmets under their arms, their bikes angled on kickstands as they stared down in awe at the massive road damage. Far from wheeled marauders, they were some really nice people, offering to get out of our way so that we could take pictures, even talking with us about the whole weird situation. See, when you meet in a place like Centralia, you rightly assume you must be kindreds of one sort or another. One guy even told us about a large sinkhole out in the woods behind the graveyards that seemed bottomless when you drop things into it. The fissure wasn't really smoking on this visit, but it was still impressive, sinuating itself a good 100 feet or so along the right lane, about 2 feet deep and 5 feet wide at its broadest. It hadn't really changed from the first time I'd seen it. it. Hadn't gotten bigger, hadn't gotten deeper. Disaster movies always make sure to show roads disintegrating and all the chaos of destruction. It's a metaphor that means no escape because disaster movies are deep. Eventually, the bikers jumped back on their bikes and sped off to the horizon for some other adventure, leaving me and my wife and my child sitting there alone with this giant crack in the road. Although we weren't alone for long because, again, Centralia seems to be much more traveled than it should be. Joining us at the crack was a group of young people with spray paint cans. They had come to sign their names on the road. They were nice. They offered us a can ourselves so that we could sign our names on the road. We didn't, and I regret that. Instead, we 
said goodbye, and walked somberly back the way we came, got into our car, and headed through the still lingering fog surrounding Centralia and into the real world. A lot of people, including myself back in 2007, are slightly disappointed with their first experience in Centralia. But you know what? In two visits there, I can tell you that the place really sticks with you. The story is strange, the place is strange, and the fact that any one of us can go there anytime we want is also strange. Make sure you come back for the next episode of Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast. I'm not sure what story I'll tell you, but I can promise you it will be very, very odd. And if you are so inclined, well worth visiting. This has been Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast. <laughs>